My Govanin, and so we lied to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tanuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf, and welcome to this fair morning here in Southern California, broadcasting from KUCI on the campus of UC Irvine. And what a lovely morning it is with the clouds all around, dark clouds in yesterday, all of that wonderful, wonderful rain just pouring down here and there and the trees were happy and dancing and I was happy and dancing and the plants and the flowers were singing and it was just wonderful. I hope you could hear it. This is What Would Arwen Do? I'm here Wednesday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. asking if a Middle Earth elf, J.R.R. Tolkien's created world or discovered world of Middle Earth. If a Middle Earth elf lived today in Southern California, what might her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, celebrating the earth and caring for its creatures and, pl and plants and animals? <clears throat> what would Arwen do? And so that's what I ask. And that's been my little bit of a mantra for, let's see, March of 2002 is when, I think it was actually April when I started my little experiment of my life as an elf, and it has turned into a grand adventure, including being part of this amazing community here at KUCI. So I want to say a special congratulations to all of the DJ hosts and public affairs hosts that just finished the training and graduated and submitted their tapes and we will have a new round of shows coming up in just about two weeks. I believe the new quarter starts on Monday, September 28th. So some shows will be <clears throat> leaving. Some shows will be brand new. Some shows will be here that have been here for ages and ages. So please check out our schedule at on our homepage at KUCI.org. And on our website. If you or someone you know is a student, staff, or faculty at here at UC Irvine and wants to get involved with College Radio, we will be having a training coming up. Usually, it's usually just a couple of weeks, a week or two within the start of the quarter. And there will be information about that on our homepage as well. Or you can email us at training at KUCI.org. <clears throat> So this morning, I hope you are well. The wonderful music that you heard at the beginning of the show was from the Academy Award winning soundtrack of Howard Shore from the Fellowship of the Ring. And I love the musical world of Middle Earth. I take just about any opportunity I can get to share it with others and to listen to it. Yes, I still listen to music from the Lord of the Rings because for me, just listening to the music often brings me back to that wonderful, wonderful place. And Howard Shore did such an amazing, an amazing job of creating a musical world of Middle Earth with particular musical motifs for the elves and the hobbits and the ring and Rohan. And, um, and in case you're interested, there is a book called The Music of the Lord of the Rings. It even has a CD at the uh, at the back that has songs that haven't um some tracks of things that were in the making that never made it actually into the film that aren't available anywhere else 
the music of the Lord of the Rings. And <clears throat> so this morning, it is the 16th of September, and I believe, um, well, I'll only have one more show during this quarter. I'm not sure what's going to happen for the fall. I want to spend time with you all because I love you. <laughs> those of you I know and those of you I don't know, <clears throat> and my one of my commissions in life is to remind you that you are the beloved, the beloved of God and the beloved of the earth. And but I have some things going on this fall and I may not be able to do this show. So I would love to hear from you. Please send me an email at askanelf at yahoo.com and <clears throat> podcasts will be up. Uh, the uh, podcast of this show will be up hopefully later today. And just a reminder that we uh, I edit out all of the copyrighted material. So if I'm playing clips or something from someone else, I get, I'll tell you where you can find that. But that will be edited out for the podcast. And you can find podcasts of pretty much uh, almost all of our public affairs shows on our website at KUCI.org. Just go to archives, scroll down to podcasts, and then look for the show. So lots of great things to catch up on there. So this morning, <clears throat> if you've been following along with me for a while, and if you have, thank you very much. You know that I'm passionate about the earth as elves would be and passionate about the animals that we share it with and feel a great joy about the animals and also at times a great sadness about the way that our fellow creatures are treated. And so I like to take opportunities to help us all, myself included, because um, as one teacher who knows who it was said, uh, we teach in order to learn. So a lot of times, even with teaching yoga, I learn so much in teaching that wonderful <clears throat> exercise for the mind and body and soul. And so when I prepare the shows and share things from my heart with you, it's because I also need to be reminded. It's so easy to slip into what C.S. Lewis called excuse me, the veil of familiarity, that place where things are just so, we're so accustomed to them that they lose their charm and they lose their freshness to us. And G.K. <clears throat> Chesterton said that we should, sometimes we should take our tea in the tops of trees because our senses get dull. So with regards to how we live and how we care for the planet and what we eat and put into our bodies, I think it's good for us to be practicing mindfulness about that. And sometimes it's good to look at the things that we're doing and see if what we're doing still serves us, the way that we're doing it or what we're doing. And if it doesn't, then make adjustments. So one of my passionate pleas is for the animals in that I think that our world has reached a place of awareness and technology that we no longer need to kill animals for food. It's not like we're living on the plains and we go out and we hunt a buffalo or a deer and it feeds our family for the entire winter. Things are not that way anymore. If 
And if you live somewhere where that is this uh, situation, then I doubt that you're wasting any part of that. And I imagine that you're very thankful for that animal that showed up to provide uh, sustenance for your family for the winter or the summer. So I want to share with you this morning um, about an organization and a wonderful event that is coming up uh, where you can raise your voice about animals <laughs> and about caring for our planet. So I was thinking today about, um, some of you know that I recently became a Catholic Christian, and I love Pope Francis. He, I love that he cares so much about our planet, and he um, has this book, this encyclical called uh, Laudato Si, uh, praise be, which is, and the subtitle is on care for our common home. And it's very interesting because whether you think it's a good thing or not, <laughs> there are billions of, um, or at least millions, maybe, no, no, at least millions of Catholics around this globe. And to have the person that they look to for guidance encourage them to think differently about how we care for the planet and how we, even with regards to things like developing uh, in countries where the people there are poor and they can't, they don't have the money <laughs> for lobbyists to raise a voice saying that they don't want their countrysides ravaged and turned into commercial farms and things of that sort. So he's one of my superheroes of the 21st century, maybe uh, for a long time, right up there with um, Francis of Assisi. And so I would invite you to perhaps pick up his uh, encyclical on care for our home, common home, La Dato Si, and um, some of the things that he has to say about, because I'm so happy that now him, Rick Warren down in Saddleback, um, the Dalai Lama has been saying this for a long time, all of the, a lot of the religious leaders um, have been saying for a long time, let us be mindful about how we care for our home and the creatures that we share it with. But the church has been largely silent. And uh, I'm glad that finally, I mean, thank goodness for Rick Warren, who took a lot of flack for and being called a tree hugger and all kinds of things like that. But he's, um, he's stepped right up. And now Pope Francis, who is uh, entreating us to care for our home in ways, our earth home, in ways that we have not done. So we might hear a little bit more about that, but I want to play something for you. And first I'm going to share a song from a wonderful group called um, Emma's Revolution. And they have a beautiful song called Living Planet. And I want to share that with you. And then when we come back, I'm we're going to hear from Jean Bauer, who has a new book that just came out, but which I wasn't able to get because it's too much in demand, um, but hope to get soon. But I did get his first book, which came out, I believe, in 2007 called Farm Sanctuary. And the subtitle is Changing Hearts and Minds About Animals and Food. And again, this is Jean Bauer, B-A-U-R. And 
he's actually, I've actually had him on the show. Uh, it's been a couple of years, and Meredith, I think, his uh, assist publish, uh, publicist has been on, and um, I couldn't reach someone to, for today because this was a little bit, little bit last minute just because I wanted to share this, uh, some of these things with you and encourage you to think about the holidays coming up and how you want to spend them and about the possibility of setting some new traditions within your home and family. So, and so I went to Farm Sanctuary. Oh, they've got a lovely new website and some great things coming up, a walk for the animals. So we'll be hearing about that in just a few moments. So if you want to jump on the internet and check out their website while uh, I'm playing this song, and you can kind of follow along with the things that are going on there. I I do print out some things for my show, but I'm truly really trying to be a little more savvy and work, <laughs> work off of the computer so I don't have to be generating more paper waste with the show each week. So thank you for bearing with me. I am the technology-challenged elf. So this is KUCI. I'm Tani Tanuviel. I'm very grateful that you are spending this time with me this morning. And please come back. We'll hear a little bit more about the celebration of the wonderful things on our planet and our animal friends. So here's Emma's revolution with a living planet. This is KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. If all the world were peaceful now... And forevermore Peaceful at the surface And peaceful at the core All the joy within my heart Would be so free to soar This is KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and that was Emma's Revolution from their CD, Roots, Rocks, and Revolution. And those are the voices of Pat Humphreys and Sandy O. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. A living planet. So welcome back to What Would Arwen Do? I am Tani Tanuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. And just a reminder that the views and opinions are those of the Elf host and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of UCI, KUCI, or the UC Board of Regents. So, animals, our friends, our companions, and and thinking about them a little more mindfully. I know, well, I don't know about you, but I know for me, sometimes it's, it's hard not to get bogged down in the darkness of things. And, you know, it's really hard for me to watch any of those movies like, you know, Forks Over Knives and Food Inc., you know, just... Um, yeah, it's, it, I can only, I, in fact, I don't think I've ever like watched the entire thing because it's just, it's just too difficult. And even some of the, the videos that I've seen on the internet about um, uh, chickens and, you know, hidden, hidden camera videos and the cruelty of, uh, to the animals in these commercial factory farms and the thing is 
And it, for me, it's not just that I love the animals and I d- desire for us not to be cruel to the animals. It's also for the people because I think that when we are cruel to animals, it it affects us as well as the animal. Just having that type of hostility and violence and rage within us that is perpetrated on another creature, whether it's another person, a child, your spouse, your friend, the person in the car next to you on the freeway that you think, you know, shouldn't be tail, you know, driving so close or, you know, all lots of types of rage and ways that we, um, you know, that we bring violence into the world through our anger and our fear and our distrust and and just trying to, um, and our un- unloveliness, you know, because a lot of times because we forget who we are as the beloved and we certainly forget who others are as the beloved. And so that also includes our creatures. So for me, the idea of of cruelty to animals is a type of cruelty to ourselves. So it's also about people. <laughs> it's all connected. I I hope we can remember that it's all connected. And that's one of the things I love that Pope Francis says. So I was going to share this a little bit um a little bit later, but I'm actually going to share it n- a little bit now from this is actually from a brochure uh about the his encyclical uh on care for our common home La Datosi. And Pope Francis says, "Now This is a direct quote. Now we are faced with global environmental deterioration. I wish to address every person living on this planet. So he wasn't just addressing Catholics. He wasn't just addressing, you know, the religious leaders. He said, this is for every person living on this planet. It goes on to say, with these all-encompassing words, Pope Francis lays out his vision in On Care for Our Common Home, his encyclical on the environment and interconnectedness of all creation. This spo- the Pope speaks to the ecological crisis of our time, but also reminds each of us that, quote, hope would have us recognize that there is always a way out, that we can always redirect our steps, that we can always do something to solve our problems. And I love that he says we can always redirect our steps. And that's what I love about human beings. We can make choices. We can make choices about things that we've done for ages and ages or even for generations and generations, but that no longer serve us and serve the larger good of those that we care about. You know, our families, the planet, the people that live here, the animals and creatures. And so... Even with regards to things like family traditions, like having a turkey at Thanksgiving, we can look at whether that actually still serves us. And I'm so grateful that I have friends who do celebrate the holidays in vegetarian style. And we have we always have so much food and we always are so full and have such a great time. And there's always, well, a lot of times it's still a little bit of a challenge uh, having room for dessert, but we haven't even filled up with um, the, you know, the meat of, a, you know, to put it bluntly, the meat of a dead animal. So it's something to think about. And especially if you want to consider 
the demand for turkeys and what is entailed in bringing that bird to your table. And I know we don't want to think about it. We just like for it to appear and we can enjoy it because we love the taste and we've had it our whole lives and we just want it. But I don't know that that behavior is serving us and not, and I don't know that it's serving the planet and the larger good that we hope for either. Turkeys now are bred in terrible conditions. Even if you get free range turkeys, even that was not ever intended to be a turkey's life and especially to be bred to where they're, you know, because everybody wants more white meat. So they're bred now where their breasts are larger. There many of them actually uh, are crippled because they crumble under the weight of their bodies because their little legs cannot support all of that weight and their beaks are clipped so that they can't peck at each other and it's just a, it's just a really not good situation not only for the birds but for us and I know we don't like to think about it either but I was thinking about this the other day you know we can vote you know and say pass laws that protect the animals but what we where we really vote is with our dollars and I've had to come to terms with this and I and I I will confess I struggle my big area of struggle I don't struggle at all with regards to animals but I love cheese and I just but the commercial farms for dairy farming are just as bad the conditions for the animals are often just as bad you know possibly worse than they are for animals that are raised for food the animals just aren't treated well and um, and land is being cleared for the for you know dairy farms and beef farms and also you know once those animals I mean if you if you have a, a com- if you have compassion for racehorses who are raced who are raised for racing and if they can't race and win then they're they're destroyed they actually there are many racehorses that and there's organizations that rescue these horses and it's the same thing but nobody rescues the cows when they can't give milk anymore they're just sent to the slaughterhouse after they've after they're lo- no longer useful to us so that's what happens when we vote with our dollars by buying meat by buying turkey by buying cheese and so i'm trying really hard to do the hard thing and i'm inviting you to join me maybe it's just a little step you know maybe it's just having a meatless day of the week and see if you can come up with something wonderful and and vegetarian and organic for your family so you know every little step makes a difference and we're all working we're all working i think for more compassion and so i want to share with you today one of the organizations that's doing so many wonderful things for working for compassion and i was so excited to find that okay so our friends over at farm sanctuary these are the people who in years past i've shared with you they have the program called adopt a turkey so instead of eating a turkey you can adopt a turkey and i think they still have that well I think it's actually expanded now where you can adopt any number of animals because obviously it takes some money to um, provide a sanctuary for these different animals that would normally just be destroyed because, um, and a lot of times these are animals that 
they have had to go out and rescue from places and, you know, trash heaps and things like that. I know that sounds terrible, but people do that. People just dump animals somewhere um, because they don't want to have to take care of it anymore. I've seen little rabbits over at the back bay. Domestic rabbits, <laughs> you can't just turn them loose into the wild and think they're going to look for food when they've had their food delivered in little pellets for their life. Please don't deposit your animals in places where they cannot um, where they're just going to become food. And if, because that's the reality of it. So Farm Sanctuary, um, their website is farmsanctuary.org. And I was so excited to find out that they had actually been on the John Stewart show. So as the technology challenged elf, there is, um, there's a, uh, video here, but I thought I had seen one when I looked on the website yesterday. This one is actually about a new book written by John Stewart's wife. And I think that is so amazing. Uh, it says, and this is book, it's called Do Unto Animals. And so there's just a little clip here I'm going to play for you from John Stewart. But he actually had Gene Bauer on the show, and I wanted to play that for you. But uh, Tracy's book is is only available by pre-order right now. So, so this is from this is actually from the last episode of the Daily Show with John Stewart. Let me see if I can make this happen. And. That was John Stewart talking about his wife's book that's coming out. Uh, the first, I think it's available the first of October. It's available by pre-order. You can check that out. Do unto animals, and what a wonderfully generous uh, gesture they have made. That he says all, but I think it's actually a portion of the proceeds. But either way, it's amazing. Uh, go to uh, Farm Sanctuary to the work of uh, the people over at Farm Sanctuary that have uh, several farms. It's not just one. These guys are doing amazing, amazing work. And um, so I wanted to tell you about an event. This is an event that I am hoping to go to. Oh, and just in case you're listening on the podcast, I will have to edit out John Stewart. But you can go to the Farm Sanctuary website and catch not only that little clip, but another, there's somewhere on the site, I found it yesterday, there is a video, very short, it's just like five or ten, you know, five minutes or so, uh, John Stewart interviewing Gene Barr about uh, his work at Farm Sanctuary. And so what is the event, you may be asking? What is the event, Elf Princess, that is coming up that we all would want to do? Well, there are, it's if you go to their website and look under Get Involved, it's called Walk for Farm Animals. And it's the 2015 Walk for Farm Animals. And it actually covers several weeks. So I'm going to be reading to you here from the website. It says, uh, please register for a walk today. The walks take place from September 12th. So they've already started through November 8th. 
And we hope to see you there. It's uh, every fall, thousands of compassionate people gather to raise funds and change hearts for farm animals through the Walk for Farm Animals, a series of non-competitive walking events held each year in cities across the United States and Canada. Others can participate virtually through our Sleep In for Farm Animals. Walkers raise vital funds for farm sanctuaries, life-saving work, and promote kindness toward animals. The Walk for Animals is a positive way to speak out on behalf of animals who cannot speak for themselves and make a real difference in their lives. And I imagine it makes a real difference in the lives of the people that are walking as well. And uh, it says that the Walk for Animals has been part of Farm Sanctuary since its beginning in 1986. Our sanctuary in Watkins Glen didn't yet exist, but we did have a small group of dedicated volunteers who helped us establish the first Walk for Animals in support of our mission to stop animal abuse and suffering. So Farm Sanctuary has been around for quite a while, Um, but this is the Walk for Animals. So you may be asking, well, I live in the Midwest, or I live, (laughs) guess what? There are walks everywhere. Let's see. Let's uh, go right here and find a walk in your city. So there's a link that will take you to their website, and this is Farm Sanctuary's Walk for Farm Animals. And there's walks in Atlanta, Boston, Grand Rapids, Hartford, Los Angeles, November 8th, Los Angeles, New York City, October 10th, Philadelphia, Phoenix, San Diego on October 24th. So both Los Angeles and San Diego are well within driving distance from all those of us here in Orange County. There's also walks in San Francisco, Seattle, South Florida, Toronto, Vancouver, Washington, D.C., and then the Sleep In for Farm Animals, which is the virtual walk. So if you are listening through the podcast or through the Internet and you live close to one of those areas, I would like to invite you to get involved. And guess what? It's going to be a really fun event. Now, you may know that I generally don't go too far away from home unless I'm going down to visit the archerists in Ramona, Escondido, but now Ramona. And I tend to stay away from <laughs> from LA. I just, you know, I'm an elf. I don't like traffic and congestion and all of that. So, but I'm going to stop whining because elves do not whine and buck up and see if I can find some people to carpool with and go for the Los Angeles Walk for Farm Animals. This is on a Sunday, November 8th, so traffic won't be so bad. And it says uh, you can register online for a minimal amount. Remember, all the the funds raised are going to benefit uh, Farm Sanctuary and their work with animals. And the guest speaker will be Gene Bauer. And it's going to be at Memorial. The one in L.A. will be in Memorial Park in Pasadena. Check-in is at 1 p.m. and you walk from 2 to 4.30. But there's more. After walking, and I guess the walk is only about an hour. And you, I think they have little, like, wonderful signs. Um, not, you know, not bad signs. Just wonderful signs. Like, walk for animals and a compassionate world begins with you. And pictures of our little animal friends. 
So afterward, there will be, after uh, walking, there'll be a celebration. They're going to celebrate with vegan food, drinks, live music, prizes, and more. And the walk will be held rain or shine. And guess what? Dogs and kids are welcome. So all the kids under 18 walk for free. And um, there's going to be music and entertainment. They're going to welcome Nectar is Poison to perform. They're a vegan music band on a mission to change the world while rocking your soul. So they're, uh, they fuse rock and soul with epic catchy hooks that have a message. So the route will be about 2.3 miles. So we can do the end. Again, it's a non-competitive walk. So you're not like trying to rush or anything. Um, the Los Angeles walk will be held at Memorial Park. And it has directions for how to get there on the website. So again, go to Farm Sanctuary. Look, uh, go down to events and look for the uh, walk for farm animals. And again, there's one in uh, upcoming in San Diego. So I have a while to figure out <laughs> how I'm going to get there. And, uh, but I'm sure I can find some friends that want to go on a little adventure in um, support of our animal friends. And guess what? You will probably meet lots of really amazing, wonderful people there who share a passion for animals. So I'm Tani Tenuville. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're talking about our animal friends today. So that's the wonderful thing. Now, you may be saying, well, why is it such a big deal? Okay, I want to keep this upbeat. But I do want to share with you a little a few things from John Bauer's book, Farm Sanctuary. So his new book, um, which is a similar name I okay I have I have farm sanctuary in front of me and um, living the farm sanctuary life that's his new book it's just come out living the farm sanctuary life and so this is farm sanctuary I love this book because it tells you I didn't even realize I can't believe I've had him even on the program and I didn't realize that this book was out here. So this was from, I think I said 2007, something like that. And I love it because it tells the story of the beginnings of Farm Sanctuary. And, okay, well, I'm not finding the page, but I, I think it's, it's, it was, it was out a few, it was out a few years ago. It's published by Touchstone Book, uh, Simon & Schuster. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Oh, 2008. Yeah. So not that long ago. And from the introduction, I, I want to read to you a little bit about uh, this kind of um, caught my attention. He says the dangerous and inhumane conditions at the Union stockyards inspired Upton Sinclair's 1905 classic novel, The Jungle which depicted the daily grind of workers inside the slaughterhouses and packing facilities. So vividly did it describe the widespread filth and disease at the stockyards that the book led to the enactment of the Federal Meat Inspection Act of 1906. Sinclair had hoped to touch readers about the wretched treatment of the workers he brought to life in the jungle. But as he said, I aimed at the public's heart and by accident, I hid it in the stomach. 
His description of the doomed pigs seemed to be aimed at both and affords a glimpse of industrial farming at the beginning. So this is a little graphic, just warning you, little disclaimer there. Uh, it was pork making by machinery, pork making by applied mathematics, and yet somehow the most matter-of-fact person could not help thinking of the hogs. They were so innocent, they came so very trustingly, and they were so very human in their protests, and so perfectly within their rights. They had done nothing to deserve it, and it was adding insult to injury, as the thing was done here, swinging them up in this cold-blooded, impersonal way, without a pretense at apology, without the homage of a tear. Now and then a visitor wept, to be sure. But this slaughtering machine ran on, visitors or no visitors. It was like some horrible crime committed in a dungeon, all unseen and unheeded, buried out of sight and out of memory. And those are the beginnings. So 1906. And those of you, of us who care to know, know that factory farming has not gotten better. It has only gotten worse. And although there was this act, um, the um, Federal Meat Inspection Act of 1906, and now... Inspectors go out to farms regularly. But until recently, you know, several years ago, the conditions were considered okay. It was okay to keep chickens all, you know, in a big uh, barn with no access to uh, sunlight or walking. And we've had to come to a new awareness and enact new protections for that. And think of all the years that that hasn't been. So this is from the road to Lancaster. It says, with chickens, the numbers are even more dramatic. He's talking about the, um, and the farmers, uh, you know, being, um, having to get, get bigger. It says, with chickens, the numbers are even more dramatic. The poultry industry was first consolidated on farms in three states, Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, an area referred to as Delmarva, immediately before and after World War II, and it has been, in sheer volume, the most intensive segment of animal agriculture. In 1950, 50,000 farms produced 630 million meat chickens. That's an average of 12,630 birds per farm. By 2005, the United States had 20,000 fewer farms, but the average number of birds per farm had risen to nearly 300,000 for an astonishing total of 8.7 billion meat chickens. The increase is in part due to consumer trends. Americans simply began eating more chicken. And fast food chains, recognizing the shift, began to promote chicken products on their menus. Since 1959, the number of egg farms has declined from over 800,000 to less than 100,000 in 2005, while the number of egg-laying hens has fallen to around 340 million from more than 450 million. Like dairy cows, layer hens are vastly more productive than their forebears, together pumping out an extraordinary 90 billion eggs in 2005. That was 10 years ago, my friends. And so it says, along with the increase in volume and concentration of animals, the value of each one has declined. The value of each animal 
has declined. Another outcome of the economics of supply and demand. If a farmer has, say, thousands of pigs in a shed, he can afford and even expects to lose a certain percentage to injury, illness, and the stresses of overproduction. As long as he maintains his profit margins, the farmer can dismiss the loss as the cost of doing business. As the number of farms has shrunk, so has the number of farmers. In the late 19th century, one in four people in the United States lived on a farm. Now it's estimated that only 0.7% of the U.S. population are full-time farmers, although many more are involved in the food processing and distri distribution industry, whose products we see arranged on our supermarket shelves and whose multi-million dollar advertising campaigns persuade us to buy and consume those products. So my friends, you know, we have some things to think about. <laughs> um, the holidays are coming up. Thanksgiving is coming up. I may not be here to remind you and you may be thinking, well, thank goodness. <laughs> but it is because I love you. I love you. I love the animals. I mean, I love people and I don't and why do we want to take death into our bodies when there's so much life that we can take in? So many wonderful vegetables and fruits and their dharma is to be part of us. They come from the earth, they pass through us, they go back to the earth. No zucchini is going to run away if you try to have it for lunch, but a chicken will. And uh, so think about that. Think about your pets. You know, you wouldn't go out and slaughter your chihuahua for lunch, but you it's okay for someone else to go out and slaughter a pig so that you can have sausages for breakfast. And you know what? Pigs are as, are intelligent and very intel they're as intelligent as dogs. In fact, I think I heard that they are more intelligent. You can train them and they're funny and they may not be as cute, but they have feelings. And so anyway, I would invite you to just think about the upcoming holidays. Think about maybe transitioning to some traditions that serve you better. And just try it. Just try it and see. Just try it and see. And let me know. Send me an email, askanelf at yahoo.com. And think about maybe being involved in Walk for the Farm Animals or some way over the holidays. Maybe get involved in a shelter Please, if you're thinking about buying a dog or a cat, a kitten for someone in your family, think about it very carefully. Uh, I have a friend who works in animal shelters and they get an influx of cats and dogs every year because people buy a puppy or get a dog for someone in their family and then they discover it's not going to work for their family to have that animal. And so the animals get dumped at the shelters and they need to have uh, homes fo uh, found for them. So... Please think mindfully about when you purchase animals, when you get them into your home, and think, don't think of them as di Dixie Cups. So with that, I'm going to uh, leave you with a little song from Eva Cassidy about what a wonderful world it is, because it is. We are the ones who can make choices and make a difference about these things. Yes, things can look pretty bleak, but they can get brighter if we just shine our light a little bit lighter and do do things of the light rather than things of the darkness. So coming up in just a few moments, everything you might want to know about getting published with writers on writing. And with that, I'm going to leave you before I share with you the beautiful song by Eva Cassidy, Wonderful World. 
I want to share a prayer, and this is from Earth Prayers from Around the World, 365 Prayers, Poems, and Invocations for Honoring the Earth, edited by Elizabeth Roberts and Elias Amadon. It's a wonderful little book. Uh, You might want to pick it up, and just every day it gives you a little something to contemplate or think about. This is from Albert Schweitzer. It's from the chapter Benediction for the Animals. It says... Hear our humble prayer, O God, for our friends, the animals, especially for animals who are suffering, for any that are hunted or lost or deserted or frightened or hungry, for all that must be put to death. We entreat for them all thy mercy and pity, and for those who deal with them we ask a heart of compassion and gentle hands and kindly words. Make us ourselves to be true friends to animals, and so to share the blessings of the merciful. A prayer from Albert Schweitzer. So this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. I will be here next week for at least one more time to come and spend some time with you. And... You can send me an email missive at askanelf at yahoo.com. Thank you for being here. And until next week, Namaria, Alin Salalomen Amentielvo. And here's Eva Cassidy reminding us that it is indeed a wonderful world.